imagine actually having a team of gals in Miedema, Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second minute. I've never scored a 90 second minute winner. I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, Johnny, we are on the outside looking in as the playoffs begin tonight. And uh, I guess there's a a number of different levels of frustration. But uh, one of them is that this format is absolutely class. Like uh, from a neutral standpoint, even it is absolutely class. One legged ties. You've got 10 teams uh, already qualified from Europe for the World Cup. 11 more teams now competing for the remaining three slots. Just a quick reminder of what the, the draw looks like. Italy or Portugal will definitely miss out on the World Cup. That was the headline from the draw when it was done at the end of last year. Also, Russia have been kicked out, which means Poland currently have a a bye into the final. And the other piece of news is that it's unclear when Scotland versus Ukraine is going to be played for obvious reasons. They're thinking that they might be able to squeeze it in to June. Steve Clark says he just doesn't have a clue. Andrew Shevchenko says they really want to settle the game on the pitch. Some of their players are literally fighting a war. So it's very, very hard to put your finger on when that game will be played or how that's exactly going to be settled. So that's up in the air. The paths as they are. Wales are playing Austria tonight. Uh, and then Scotland to Ukraine is also on that same path. Uh, path B then, uh, Poland have a bye to the final and then they will play the winner of Sweden against the Czech Republic. And then path C is the really tasty one, Portugal against Turkey tonight and Italy against North Macedonia. The two winners play off against one another. Remember, these are one-leg ties and one-leg finals, which just adds to the excitement of it. So we're going to go in descending order here, the best fixture first, which I think anyway is uh, Portugal versus Turkey the winner of this game will be at home for the final which is next Tuesday which uh, adds a whole other level of incentive to it Portugal of course uh, in our group in the Republic of Ireland's group in qualifying for this and uh, I guess we kind of uh, this this result I guess did catch our attention but Ireland were playing on the same night when Alexander Mitrovic scored that 98 minute goal that winner on the final day of the group and that draw in Dublin also costly as it turned out for Portugal their defeat to, to Serbia in uh, in Lisbon was their first defeat in World Cup qualifying at the Estadio de Luz since 2008 and they haven't failed to qualify for a World Cup since 1998 so the hope for Turkey then is that uh, Portugal are going to be without Ruben Dias they're going to be without Joao Cancelo and also Pepe has just tested positive for Covid so they've got a, a massive hole in their defence Ruben Neves is also going to be me- uh, missing for them and Renato Sanchez suspended as well so they've got a pretty hefty uh, injury slash suspension list to deal with Turkey on the other hand I'm not sure did you tip them for dark horse uh, success at Euro 2020 I thought they were disappointed at the Euros actually to be honest um, the biggest disappointment I would yeah, say um, just toothless in front of goal and there was a lot of like I remember the betting markets at the time were very keen on Turkey it was interesting like and the betting markets in general are not far off I mean it's, it's professional money and they're just a flop really I think the worst dark horse shout of all time and mm. I, I was tipping them as, as dark horses uh, zero points for, from their games at the Euros and then after that their form didn't get much better they got absolutely hammered 6-1 by Netherlands in September uh, they did however get maximum points from their last three games in their group phase and they ended up only two points behind the Dutch in the table which probably illustrates how good they were in the first half of qualifying which is why everybody was like this Turkey team are going to do really well and, and, and they're, going to do, um, they're going to do something at this Euros which didn't happen only Gibraltar ended up conceding more goals in them in that qualifying group for example 
their big thing has been scoring goals and they scored in every single one of the qualifying games and again as I say that Portuguese defence is relatively depleted which makes you a little bit excited about what Turkey might be able to do uh, tonight they haven't actually qualified for a World Cup since 2002 when they came third so I mean for a country that size I would say that they've been one of the biggest underperformers in, Turkey, in world football over the like, last 20 we're, years we're talking about their bid for the Euros or whatever the joint bid but like what an absolutely fanatical country when it comes to football exactly like, yeah like definitely um I mean, it's ridiculous to look at the teams that Italy or Portugal are not going to make the World Cup here, and we're talking about a 32-team Euros. Then, like in Ireland, I mean, this is this is one level of it making it too difficult. Like, and then the Euros is ridiculous. But um, Portugal weren't great in the group, really. Like, they I don't think they really deserve to beat us in Faro. I thought Serbia were better than them in both games that we played against them. Uh, Definitely. They were just more of a team. Like Turkey, I mean, you're looking at, the, sorry, Portugal, you're looking at the, the players that they had in the pitch in both games against Ireland. They were just far better than the sum of their parts. They just didn't uh, didn't perform. So then you mentioned the, the the players out. Like, Turkey could be an interesting one tonight, yeah. yeah. I think it's the one we're going to have to watch on the couch, I think, because we have nice, nice options there. I think that's the one. I think that, that that for me is the one. Just in terms of a couple of team news bits for that uh, Turkish team, uh, like you're going to have Soyuncu and Demiral in the defence. Burak Yilmaz is still their lead striker again. He was the guy we all pinned our hopes on last summer. Yilmaz for a golden boot, Turkey to go yeah. to the semi-finals. Neither of those two things uh, materialise whatsoever. So, yeah, that's tonight. Uh, the other game in that path tonight then, which I think actually could be pretty interesting, is it Italy versus North Macedonia. So, as I say, um, these teams are going to be away next Tuesday for that final. Uh, Italy have never lost a World Cup qualifying match on their own turf, is long and short of it. So, North Macedonia will have to do something historic uh, tonight, or Italy will have to crumble in historic fashion if North Macedonia are going to get through to this final. Euros, absolutely fresh in the memory for Italy. You'd like to think they're still on a bit of a high from that, but let's also not forget that they didn't make Russia. So, they've never failed uh, to make it to the World Cup twice in the bounce. So, again, historic consequences here if Italy don't actually get through from this uh, the, the reason why they're here is because they got done by Switzerland in qualifying they finished two points off the top but you might remember as well I think it was the last day of qualifying they were held to a nil-all draw in Belfast by Northern Ireland mm. and on the same night I think uh, Switzerland won 4-0 against Bulgaria I think it was only a two goal difference in the end so they were probably going over there hoping to win 2 or 3 nil and qualify on top of goal difference they could only win one of their last five matches so it was an after Euros sort of party that just completely seeped into the mindset you'd suspect they drew four of those last five matches and that's what did them in the end they'd no Verratti in November but they have him back now that's going to be important some questions at the moment over Benucci and Chiellini's fitness they've both had injuries this season and it's unsure just exactly how fit they are they may actually go without both of them tonight for example uh, North Macedonia then I guess we all watched them uh, last summer it was their first Euros they did lose all of their games but I think again disgrace themselves like not at all yeah. not at all and also as well if you look at 2021 as a whole they had that incredible result where they beat Germany in qualifying and I guess that put them into a really good position because they only beat Romania to second place by one point in their group in the end uh, but I guess it was uh, through the Nations League as well where they had their success so they only lost they're still playing said it again Pandev's no he's playing. gone Yeah, that's he, a big thing he was like what 37 at the yeah mm. Pandev is gone Elmas is gone or he's missing tonight sorry mm. he's, he's still around but he's going to be missing tonight so two of their best players if you're going to look at their uh, Euro squad not available tonight so they're massive losses for them they did just lose one of their last seven in World Cup qualifying and four clean sheets over that stretch as well so they've kind of 
uh, beefed up a little bit at the back and not since November 2016 have they failed to find the back of the net away from home in qualifying so that's, that's pretty good, impressive good yeah. records at the front and at the back which makes me think that this is absolutely worth watching as well but really it's hard to look beyond an, an Italy-Portugal final here yeah and one is on uh, Virgin Media 3 as well if you don't have the uh, Sky Sports package and that's the Portugal game so right okay yeah I believe that's uh, it's on terrestrial. So that is one of the paths. Anyway, that is uh, path C. And uh, the likelihood, I'm not saying the Turkey aren't going to do it, but the likelihood is in Porto next Tuesday, you're going to have Portugal against Italy. Uh, the next uh, situation that we've got tonight then is Sweden versus Czech Republic. Whoever wins this is actually going to be on the road for the final. As I say, they will be on the road in Poland uh, for the final. Poland, remember, got that by against Russia. Uh, Sweden essentially bottles their qualification for the World Cup. They had a cushion on Spain and uh, they had to do that simple thing of beating Georgia at home, I think. Or maybe maybe it's the way. They had to beat Georgia and they lost to Georgia. We uh, kind of know all about that banana skin. And then they were beaten by Spain at the last day, an 86-minute uh, winner from Alvaro Morata. So that ended their automatic qualification hopes. So they finished four points behind Spain. And I guess this is a, a team that would be really, I'd say, favoured in this path. Uh, they will be missing Zlatan tonight. He's suspended. Um, and of uh, less importance, Emil Kraft uh, of Newcastle is also out. So you, you might have a situation, I've uh, just been reading up on this, where Lindelof may be potentially playing it right back. So if that doesn't send shivers down the spine of every Swede, I'm, I'm not sure what will. You're also probably going to have a situation where Alango will make his debut over the course of the next few days for Sweden, probably from the bench. It's a team full of attacking talents. Uh, if Alango's not even starting, you've got Kulisevsky, obviously, who's, who started so well with Spurs. You've got Alexander Isak and, of course, Emil Forsberg in that uh, Sweden attack. The Czech Republic side of things, I would say one of the surprise packages of the Euros. Wasn't really interested in watching them. They ended up making it to the last eight where Denmark dumped them out. Finished third in their, in their group behind Wales and behind Belgium. But since losing to Belgium in September, they've gone five games unbeaten. And it was their um, it was their Nations League, obviously, which got them into this position. They're going to have no Patrick Schick tonight, which is a, a big loss. And there's some doubts around Soufal's availability, but uh, Socek will be playing. That one, I think, is possibly the, the tightest one to call, but Sweden probably slight favourites in that one, especially with Schick missing. And then finally, the other one, uh, Wales versus Austria. Uh, these teams are guaranteed a home final. Like You could have a situation here where it's Wales versus Scotland playing off in uh, in a one-leg game in Cardiff for, um, for a place in Qatar. Uh, just a quick bit on them. Wales, they'd already uh, sorted their uh, spot in this playoff through the Nations League. We were in their group. Uh, they come second in that group, as I mentioned, though, with Belgium and Czech Republic, which gives them the home advantage. And the question always with Wales is, what's Gareth Bale's situation? He's played 77 minutes of competitive football since November. But, I mean, what's his, what was the thing again? Wales, golf, Real Madrid, in that order. Was that, yeah. was that the, the banner? So, I mean, it's top of his priority list and uh, it, it doesn't really come close to anything else. So, uh, you might imagine a more fit, uh, ready version of Gareth Bale might come up. They're going to be without Danny Ward, Kiefer Moore, injuries, and then Joe Morell is injured through suspension, or out through suspension, I should say. And then Austria. They finished fourth in a group behind Denmark, Scotland and Israel. So they only got through to this playoff because of their performances in the Nations League. I mean, when you look at their team, you look at Marko Arnautovic. How's he playing this season? He scored nine goals for... Who, who do you think he's playing for these days? Who is Arnautovic with us? He's Bologna in Syria. Okay. Yeah, so he's uh, banged in nine goals for Great them this city season. city to visit. Yeah? Yeah, college city, yeah. Right, haven't it's been. Really, have a good friend living over there. It's yeah, top, top place to go. You need to go over and watch Marco then. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. Um... That'll be an interesting game. 
I think all four of them, mm. uh, like uh, just reading up on them, are, are very, very interesting. And um, I think these one-legged affairs just really mm. add to the tension of it. Uh, and again, I just can't help thinking that could have been us. Yeah, but, uh, we don't want it. We don't want it. That's I, I, the I've kind of yeah. Long, long it. forgotten about this World Cup. I, I, it's definitely a World Cup for. I'd be less interested even in watching it as well. I just think it's horrible on so many levels. I can sure I'd be watching it, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is four minutes past eight. You're with us here on OTBAM, which is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs. For an effortless finish to your day, we are doing a bit of a deeper dive on that Italian story with Paddy Agnew next. Right, at six minutes past eight, uh, delighted to welcome Paddy Agnew back to the show. Paddy, how are you getting on? I'm fine. Good morning to everybody. Yeah, good morning. Um, tonight, Italy versus North Macedonia in a semi-final to qualify for the World Cup. It should be straightforward for Italy on paper, but I assume amongst some of the Italian fans there is a little bit of PTSD from 2017 and what happened with Sweden lingering around. Yeah, yeah, or, or indeed what happened with Northern Ireland in 1948, but we won't touch on that. Mm. No, uh, hey, I would agree with what you've just said. Uh, the uh, uh, the what, nothing will be will be uh, taken for granted with North Macedonia, but uh, basically, uh, Italian fans and Italians expect them to get through this one. And uh, we're talking about the big game, which will be next Tuesday against either Turkey or Portugal. Um, you know, um, obviously, uh, everybody's watching this game closely. Everybody, I mean, in, in the football world, because what we're talking about here, after all, is Italy. This is the country with the second best record in the World Cup, four times uh, World Cup winners, twice finalists, the reigning European champions. Can you really imagine a World Cup without this side? It would be extraordinary and there is a realistic possibility that it might happen. For the first time ever, Italy might fail to qualify for back-to-back World Cups. Is it as bad as as that sort of scenario suggests uh, or or is this a a little bit of an aberration? No, I think it's a bit of an aberration because... uh, you saw yourselves how good a team Italy is at the European Championships uh, last summer. Uh, they uh, were cruising through their World Cup qualifying group, uh, won their opening games, they drew against Bulgaria, and they had this weird thing. There's really only one side uh, they were battling for for winning the group. That was Switzerland, who are a good team, as we know. Uh, and in both the games against Switzerland, both the qualifiers, Jorgino missed a penalty, which would have won the game. And both two games, which um, I would argue Italy deserved to win. And that put them into, uh, you know, that ruined all their plans. They went to Belfast and they played uh, their one really poor game in that qualifying group, drew nil-nil. And now they find themselves in the lottery of the playoff. And, you know, whatever about the game against North Macedonia tonight in Palermo, uh, obviously... Uh, you can take nothing for granted against either Portugal or Turkey. For sure. If you get through tonight. Especially considering it's on the road as well next week and uh, potentially having to go to Porto as well to, to, to play Portugal there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, has has there been any sense of a hangover at all post-Euros? A hangover in what sense? Sore I, head? A sore head, Not definitely, a wine, which, would, yeah. which would contribute to... Like, I mean, uh, I would, I'd like to think what would happen if, if Ireland ever won a European <laughs> Championships. Probably wouldn't qualify for a tournament for 40 years. But, yeah. like, I mean, it's it's understandable if that if that's the case or, or is it, like, maybe it's just a sense no. of... No. You're, no, you, you no, disagree I mean, with that? No, I just... I don't... I mean, the... the uh, they drew with Bulgaria uh, mm. early in the autumn. That was a bit of a hangover to some extent. But uh, by and large, the group was proceeding perfectly, all on 
uh, all on cue. Had Jorginho put away his two penalties, uh, Italy would be in the World Cup at this point. It's as simple as that. It's, it's one of those, It's not. It's not often the same guy misses two match-winning penalties in successive qualifiers against the same team. What was the Euros like over there, Paddy? Actually, well, uh, Italians were. Um, as you all know, they follow the, the Italian national team is followed passionately and madly, uh, but they were, you know, lukewarmish about it uh, coming in. But uh, all these tournaments, uh, they get stamped by the way the thing begins, and it began very well, a three nil win against Turkey, and from that moment on, the bandwagon was rolling, uh, and uh, you know, majority of Italians were uh, very, very hopeful from that moment on. And the majority of the experts felt that Italy were uh, by far the best team in the tournament. And in terms of, you know, we, we spoke about earlier on the show, in terms of a World Cup in Qatar, like, has there been much chat about that over there? Ah, yeah, this is the chat that, you, that you've had in, 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 in all over the world. You know, is, is this a good idea to be playing it in November? Is it a good idea to be playing it in uh, extraordinary heat conditions? Um, and a lot of people are uh, critical of that. But, you know, Football professionals say, "Okay, well, that's what that's what FIFA's come up with, and we'll get on with it." It's still the World Cup. And just in terms of your years there, we we spoke about um, Festia Vasile and James Vanqua both going to Udinese on the show earlier this week. Um, have you felt that decline in terms of the Italian game from your early days over there? And you know, people of my generation would have been watching Italian football on Monday nights, I guess, in the nineties, and thinking it was the best thing ever. And in those days, Milan were dominant, and they were dominant in Europe. And nowadays, the Premier League is obviously totally taken it over and I, I remember like going to games in Italy there, there, it got a lot harder to get into games because of crowd trouble and so on and so forth what, have you felt that sort of decline yourself or, or am I exaggerating? No, no, you're not exaggerating you're absolutely bang on I mean Italy missed a, a golden moment in the sense that they had that great period when when I actually, I actually arrived here in the mid-80s, when this was the Hollywood of football. I mean, this was where all the good players wanted to be, uh, be it Maradona, Platini, etc. Uh, and that is not the, the situation. Now. Maradona and Platini would be going to the Premiership now if they were footballers, We, we uh, if they were still playing. But um, Italian football, uh, there are many, many reasons uh, why it failed to seize the initiative of the situation they found themselves in. Above all, they took it for granted. Well, we're, we're very good at the moment. We don't have to do anything. And one of the things they failed to do, one of the many things they failed to do, was to in, uh, invest heavily in infrastructure. Uh, and the most obvious piece of football infrastructure being your own stadium. Because remember, the vast majority of Italian clubs have uh, uh, city council-owned stadiums, so they lose out on a lot of revenue. That was one weakness. Uh, and then they weren't uh, they weren't going to sell it as good as the Premiership has been about selling their game. It's interesting. I do wonder the Premier League as a an English speaking kind of country or something did it help? Like why? I know Spain is probably having a bit of a lull at the moment, but I, I do look I do reflect on it a, a bit with sadness, considering how. You know the the likes of Maldini, Baresi, all these players were total icons to someone even in the west of Ireland when I was a kid. And now, you know, I I I think a lot of football fans would struggle to name players that play in Italy for for a lot of the clubs. Yeah, um, I you know you're right. 
I, I agree entirely. I just, to just say one thing to you about that, though, it's very interesting. In fact, at the moment, there's something like nine different uh, uh, Serie A clubs in the hands of American, U.S. Uh, investors, buyers, consortium. Nine of them. Mm. Uh, I think it's nine. Uh, it changes all the time. The most recent one was uh, a guy called Pagliuca who bought himself a 43% share in Atalanta uh, just uh, about a month ago. But um, And obviously, these guys, I mean, the Elliott Foundation of AC Milan, uh, the, the, the freaking people at AS Roma, so on, they obviously feel that this is uh, there's some potential here. And I think what they're saying is they're looking at the Italian football. They say, this is one of the great one of the great uh, footballing uh, countries in the world. This is a huge tradition. Four times World Cup winners. This, 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 surely we can market this. Surely we can make money out of that. Uh, and, um, well, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how they go on. So far, uh, those who've tried to invest in Italian football in recent times have not made money. Yeah, just just finding that you know what can the Italian clubs sort of um, offer to players in terms of the, a player that has options across Europe because like the, obviously there's so much money in the Premier League. Like, what's the funding model in the Serie A in terms of TV money and that relative to the Premier League? Because I presume that's where it's it's struggling a bit as well. No, you're right. I mean, uh, I saw a comparison the other day between uh, the. Uh, uh, pay levels in Premier, uh, the Premier League and Serie A. And, you know, you're talking about a factor of... It's not that the uh, the best players in the, Premier, in the Premier League get twice as much. They get about three times as much. Mm. Uh, the, the salaries are much bigger and the television revenues are much bigger. There's no question of that. Italy is, is, is losing out all the time in that. What about the product that we're currently seeing in Serie A, though? Is, is there a sense, though, that... Yeah, in the, the heyday of, of what Johnny's talking about there on Monday nights, there was, uh, yes, there were moments of magic in it, but the, the, the style of football is more catenacho, was more defensive based. Whereas now it does feel that even just the, the goal tallies have gone up a bit. There are some high scoring affairs more at the moment in Serie A. I, I accept that that's not necessarily uh, completely proportional to good quality football, but is that, a, a, I guess, an inkling of hope? Yes, it is. I think uh, Mancini's Italy represents an inkling of hope because it's uh, a reminder that. Uh, the game still is so strongly eradicated into Italian society. You know, anybody who's ever been to Italy knows that there's really only one sport that, te- that commands all uh, the attention. You buy a Gazette de Sport, there's 32 pages, and, you know, 28 of them are about football. Mm. Uh, they, uh, uh, that, uh, that tension means that uh, you're always going to produce very good footballers. And uh, when you had an all Italian team in the Euro- European Championships last summer, you saw a lot of good football. And so I don't think it's, I don't think Italy's. Um, uh, is that end point here? They haven't got. Uh, I think on the contrary, there's plenty of. Uh, I understand why the Americans are investing. I think there's plenty of room, uh, plenty of progress to be made here. And I guess what you've got as well is if you're looking at the the, the Premier League versus Serie A, take their national teams in microcosm. You had them going head to head in a major tournament final last year, and and Italy get the job done. Uh, obviously, that's reading way too much into just one fixture, but there is definitely yeah. a sense that Italy have managed to, to survive any lessening in importance of their national league much better than uh, that than other nations have. 
Well, yeah, but if they don't qualify for the World Cup this summer, bit of a setback. <laughs> yeah, we, we might we might have to to, to rephrase that one. <laughs> yeah, just off the top of my head, there are three youngish Irish players either in Italy yeah. or going to Italy, and I mentioned two of them. The other one is Kevin Zeffi in in Milan. Four is my count. Who's, who's, who am I missing? You got Zeffi and Heffernan as well. Heffernan yeah. as well. Sorry, so uh, bo- both of whom were playing for Ireland underage yesterday, actually. Um, what would the two lads? I guess what would the two lads expect in Udine? Is it where Udinese is? Udinese. Well, Udinese is a great site for discovering talent. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity for all three guys. You know, uh, a lot of uh, it hasn't exactly generated a huge amount of interest amongst the fans, but uh, people have pointed out. You know, when Heffern signed for uh, uh, AC Milan, he's the first person to uh, join since Paddy Sloan back in it was a forty-eight. And he was the first no. Irishman ever to play in Serie A. Right. Uh, a guy who, who ended up in Australia, I think he died in Melbourne uh, in 1990. But uh, a, a lot of attention to that. Uh, I noticed that Zeffi, he's been here a bit longer. He uh, uh, he got mentioned a bit in dispatches the other day. Uh, the other day, sorry, uh, December. Mm. Scored a hat-trick against Verona in an under-17 game. So, I mean, good news Certain amount of good news. As for Udinese, yeah, uh, Udinese is a good club to have gone to. No question of that. And they look after a, a lot of players. You know, somebody like Alexis Sanchez was picked up by them years ago. Uh, and and he, he, he made his birth through to the top level at uh, Udinese. Paddy Sloan played for Udinese as well, of course, uh, between yeah, 49 Paddy and Sloan 50. Did, yeah, Paddy Sloan did, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you always say, of course, when you just found yeah, something out for the first time. The, you know, <laughs> of course, according to the Wikipedia that's in front of me. You know, and yeah, I just off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, off the top of my head. Brescia as well, I think, for a period of time. You know, yeah. just throwing that out there. You know, maybe Bath City at the end of his career. It's uh, possible, though, that there will be, like, an Irish revival, Paddy, in interest. Yeah. Because, like, I do have such fond memories. But, like, I, when Miles Duncan presented that show, which I presume was just uh, a spit, uh, like a... Uh, basically a copy and paste job of what Channel 4 was showing. We didn't have Channel 4 at the time. We had literally two channels. And Italian football was, it was so exotic. But maybe this will enliven Irish interest in Italian football if one of these players starts playing regularly. I hope so. I hope so. It means I'll be travelling up to Milan a bit to see these boys play. Happy days. <laughs> scout, Happy you'd, be, days. you'd be a scout for Stephen Kenny. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, there, is there a sense that um, are, you, are you starting to see, even if you kind of like remove the, the Irish spectacles here for a bit, are you starting to see scouting broaden its horizons a little bit within some of these Italian clubs as well? Or or, or is, it, is this just kind of a bit of a, a coincidence over the last little while? Well, I think Italian, the, the best Italian clubs uh, like, uh, you know, Juventus Inter, AC Milan, even Udinese. These clubs, and particularly Udinese, actually, these clubs have had a very developed uh, scouting network for a long time now, and they pick up a lot of very good players. <coughs> Most of them do a season. A lot of them do a season in in Italy, establish themselves, and then move on to the Premier League. Yeah, like for, I suppose for you, do, do do you think it's as much of an obstacle in that you went over to an alien country in the eighties? Like I've been to Italy several times, but I guess for you know it's it's, it's hardly a, a big jump to imagine living there. But for these Irish players, I mean, there have been so few success stories over there. You're thinking of Liam Brady, basically, in terms of the Irish context. Robbie Keane went over, but like it's been really, really sparse. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Bang on. It's not an easy country to live in Italy in some ways. Oh, you look at the sun, the, the wine, the whole atmosphere, it must be great. But it's not easy to move into that country. 
Uh, and uh, you know, Liam Brady is the exception that proves the rule. Liam uh, worked really hard as Italian. He adapted himself and he was a wonderful footballer. Uh, and he became, you know, a, a, an Italian icon, although he, he wouldn't say so himself, but he was. Mm. Uh, um, but, yeah, a young player coming to Italy, he'll find it very, very hard. Mm. Just to finish up then, Paddy, uh, on tonight, uh, I think they're making an exception, are they, for uh, COVID rules at the moment over there? I think our sporting events limited to 75% capacity, but they're, they're allowing uh, Palermo to be, yeah. to be packed out tonight. Yeah, uh, it's not a huge stadium, uh, the Favorite in Palermo, but it's going to be 100%. It's, it's about, I think you have about 35,000 people there. But the reason they picked that is that it's, um, you know, it's it's a English-style stadium. It's a new stadium that was built, well, new stadium, was built for the 1990 World Cup. That's hardly new. But uh, it's uh, one where, you know, you don't have a running track around it uh, and you have, uh, you could, should have a very good atmosphere. Uh, an intimidating atmosphere for the Macedonians. Do you expect them to qualify, Paddy? I expect them to qualify, I mean, in the same way that Mancini does, because although Mancini hasn't played down what is a really awkward situation to find themselves in, given the uh, precedent of Sweden uh, in 2017, but um, he, he just says, Mancini says, says, look, this side is a good team. They know how to play good football. We showed that without any uh, doubt in uh, European Championships last summer uh, and we can do it again it's just uh, you know and also he was very worried as any coaches before a game like this about missing key players um, in fact it's a pretty strong looking team you have you know Chiellini looks like he's going to be back Bonucci isn't ready yet Chiellini's back uh, and you have you know the important uh, figures in midfield uh, uh, Barella Verratti uh, Jorgino and you have um, uh, Immobile leading the attack with Insigne on one side and Berardi on the other so it's a strong team these are all players who featured in the European Championships and these are all players who've been through this sort of pressure before I, Just a fine question for me sorry on the Gazette Zello sport is still going strong there is it it's uh, Pink think, pages Yeah like we all remember James Richardson it's, it's definitely a personal dream that there'll be a sports paper in Ireland I think we had one briefly <laughs> but uh, Gazette is still going anyway Oh, absolutely. And it's a great question, too, because uh, if you look at Gazette today, the front page headline, the front page is dominated by one huge headline, which says, Facciamo l'Italia. In other words, let's go out and play like Italy, you know. Mm. It's just like even even like to have a sports paper today for a game like that, like every yeah. day. How cool is that? Like, Yeah. yeah. I guess the good news, Paddy, is that if Italy failed to qualify, I mean, they're pretty good at rugby union all of a sudden. Yeah. That's that's the, 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 the mood <laughs> of the nation swinging, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I tell you, the, uh, the 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 rugby match was greeted with a lot of enthusiasm, as you can imagine. Did <laughs> and it? there've been a lot of rug- I've a lot of pals who uh, follow Italian rugby, play Italian rugby, played for one or two of them played for Italy, and uh, they were over the moon, frankly. Did it feature in the first ten pages of Gazetta on Monday, Sunday? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it, it got a lot of space, yeah. Right. It was slightly overshadowed by uh, Ferrari going ah. to Formula One uh, uh, Grand Prix this season. What a weekend for Italian sport. Mm. Yeah, it was a good weekend for Italian sport. And let's hope that the Mancini can prolong it. Paddy Agnew, great stuff as ever. Thanks many for taking the call. Thank you. Cheers.
25 past 8 you're with us here on OTBAM just going to give you another opportunity to win our competition uh, get ready to cheer Ireland on in the TikTok Women's Six Nations to launch this year's campaign we're giving away two tickets to see Ireland take on Wales on this Saturday at quarter to five in the RDS Arena the lucky winners will also be entered into a draw to be with a chance to win an overnight stay in the stunning Intercontinental Hotel on the night of the game to enter tell us what you think the score will be this weekend between Ireland and Wales wherever you're watching this morning's OTBAM just comment on Twitter Facebook or YouTube International Women's Rugby is at the RDS and there's nothing like it be part of the action get your tickets at ticketmaster.ie um, did you keep your Gazetta dello Sport safe as a souvenir um, the, the additions that you managed to pick up no I didn't actually but it, you, when it's 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 lovely to go over to Italy and get an espresso or whatever and just start feeling like you're an Italian and become James Ritson for a couple of minutes and buy the paper even though clearly you can't read it I mean you don't understand it, Italian but like would an Irish would an Irish Sunday sports per, paid paper work over here it's it's a question that I've often thought about like it is the dream an Irish mm-hmm. sports where you could have like massive long investigative breaking stories but like would people buy it would would it, would they just start taking photos of it and send it online and put it on Twitter and would do people want to pay for newspapers anymore Definitely like yeah. it's, it's it's really sad that uh, you know you know people just don't buy newspapers anymore I, I actually think it's 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 alarming that people just get all their news in their phone for free um, would an Irish sports paper like the title work nowadays like you get it at the sport wouldn't that be amazing to have like a like something like the lads in the Times broke about the FEI, something like that that everyone had to buy, but they only bought the paper because there was no other way of getting it. Maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but like the Zets is every day, every day they have a sports paper. Amazing to think. I don't know how they've, I don't know how they've managed in the internet age, but they're obviously still going anyway. Yeah, they do tend to like. I guess is is it helped by the fact that they have a sort of you know a, a daily heartbeat of, of content especially in the off season with a massive global league granted mm. it's not as what it once was but like I remember when, when I was in Milan like I mean obviously I saw, saw it there I had to buy it mm. and uh, it was just like the constant stream of Donnarumma stories every single day when yeah. he was first unha- I think it was like 2017 when he was first unhappy at Milan and everybody in the city hated him and everybody was like this guy he's going to betray us this summer I guess he eventually did uh, end up leaving and it, it, every single day front page more more Donnarumma news, more mm. Donnarumma news, and that constant drumbeat of stuff. Not sure is that does that exist here as such? Maybe it does. Like, may, like may, maybe it becomes a, a sort of a, a British perspective, or sorry, an Irish perspective on, on what's happening in in the British leagues. Potentially, it's just the, the dead zone. Your Tuesday morning, your Wednesday morning. What's your front page? You know. Well, that, that, that's it. I don't. I mean, like OTBAM, it was a challenge that you have to have sport every day, and you have to have it every morning. I think OTBAM is managing quite comfortably. Um, could you have like they have Le Keep in France? Mm. Could you have? Like a daily sports paper in Ireland absolutely wouldn't work. But could yeah. you have? Sorry, a, you're saying weekly, of course. Sorry. Could you have a Sunday paper of like big columnists, people who um, would be, be? You'd have uh, no. There'd be hardly anyone on staff. So like because you just can't afford that. So it'd be a, a, a team of freelancers, yeah, um, like yourself, for example, who write um, an article or, or or write like or do an investigative piece. Um, there wouldn't be many match reports because they're all online. So it'd be more like say the Ireland England. Or, sorry, the Ireland. Scotland game on Saturday it'd be like some heavyweight 
analysis of that but your main front page would be like an investigative a breaking news story that changes the sporting landscape I'd put this to you would it work I don't know uh, like I mean you'd buy it I I would 100% the thing is though the thing is though you would absolutely I think the quality of Sunday papers in this country is excellent it's not though but I I sometimes pick up I I think sometimes it is what do you have like so the Sunday Independent right and the Sunday section is excellent the Sunday Independent sports section and the Sunday Times that's basically it really if you and I'm not being disparaging towards the tabloids, but you've basically two options. And the Sunday, the yeah, Sunday Times, neither the Sunday. Of them, the Sunday Independent or the Sunday Times, neither of them really covers the League of Ireland at all. So from my perspective, um, it's it's not great at all on a Sunday right. if if that's my main interest. So my my two main interests will be League of Ireland and horse racing. But like they're a little bit niche, so I'd probably my paper probably collapse within a, a month. Like <laughs> <laughs> basically be screwed. Well, I I think there's eating and drinking in the sports sections of those two papers alone yeah, on a Sunday. It's two pay. It's two papers like the business yeah, yeah. post I buy the business post the business post doesn't have any sport no and and that's you not might, you might actually buy it for one sports article which actually maybe mm. prove, proves that there maybe is a market it's like um, it's you can't you can't have you can't consume your Sunday sport on your phone surely like you need to have a coffee and a, oh, this would be another deal I'd have be coffee and a croissant to be a special offer on yeah. the front page because coffee croissant the Sunday newspaper and it, particularly if it's a Sunday sports paper what better way to start the week preferably not hungover I, I want this to happen. Like, yeah, you know, we'll, I absolutely want this we'll, to happen. We'll just just for clarity's sake, we just need the, we need the Comer brothers or someone like that to throw infinite money at it because it's not easy for newspapers at the moment. But I, I'm, I, I like something tangible, and I like the smell of it. I like reading something. I can't read long articles on my phone. I just find it. I'm constantly browsing. And yeah. it, it tires me out. Or, or on my laptop. Um, and I love the idea of a Sunday sports paper. So if you are out there and you want to back own and my my idea, um, yeah, we're open to backing and we're obviously happy in our current job as well but yeah I, I should say I'm not sure I, I hope I'm not breaking the fourth wall here where Nathan's just been like I, I love Owen questioning how can anybody cover sport every single day yeah it's but like, what else uh, it's, it's easily done and it's, it's going pleasure, on and I mean it's exactly it's the, it's the most important thing it's easy done I've just been devil's advocate I promise well in, in, right. in, in the old days lastly on this like you'd have to employ people on a salary whereas now it's just journalism isn't like that now people are just pick up extra work in addition to what, what they do like your new column in the Sunday newspaper Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. (laughs)